Father, thank you so much for what you're doing here. Thank you so much for your love for us. We just are, we're so grateful today. I thank you that when two or more are gathered in your name, that you are with us. You are among us. You are here. You are present. And so, Father, we don't have to ask for that. We just say thank you for that. So you come in power today. Lord, you come and do whatever it is you want to do. Lord, speak to us, challenge us, convict us, encourage us, free us. Lord, transform us. We want to be like you. Make us more like your son, Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, girls, we're in the middle of our series on the Lord's Prayer. So what I want us to do is say the Lord's Prayer together. So if you will look, it's written on your handout. Your listening guides are on your tables. So let's start together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Who says amen? Who says amen? Texans, amen, and amen. Just curious. Okay, so last week we were it. We last week we looked at Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. And one of the things we realized nobody's paying any attention. Brian, are you getting this on camera? You, if anyone's watching this at home, I want you to know this is an unruly group of women. They are hard to get settled in. So last week we talked about Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. And one of the things we had to realize is that it really means thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Not thy kingdom come, but my will be done. And so the Lord is inviting us in and to usher in through prayer, his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so last week was a real battle charge, wasn't it? Of Get in the game and start praying. Lord, bring your kingdom here. This broken marriage, Lord, this person that needs healing, this wayward child, this mess called my life, Lord, thy kingdom come. Come and make it right, Lord. You know what it ought to look like, and I don't. I don't know how to fix it, Lord, but you do. And so he's inviting us as a battle cry, but he's also calling us to a place of surrender. But it's your will at the end of the day. Take this cup of suffering from me is what Jesus said. But at the end of the day, Lord, I want what you want. I want your will over my own. Boy, that's a hard place to get to, but it's the sweetest place to live. So we looked at that really closely last week. This week, we're going to take it down to more of a micro level, if you will. And we're going to look at when Jesus said, after the first half of this prayer, the first half of the prayer is all related to God, our Father, Okay, who am I actually praying to? Oh, it's a compassionate Abba Father. Where is he? Oh, in heaven. Okay, that doesn't mean that he's distant from me. It just means that he's the creator and he understands what right looks like. And so while he sits on the throne in heaven, his spirit resides within me. And so he's intimate and close, but he knows what right looks like. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He's totally, utterly set apart. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, Lord, as it is 
in heaven. And so the whole first half of the prayer, Jesus says, pray like this. He says, before you ask for anything, you decide and understand who it is you're praying to. Thank him, worship him, give him what to do to him. Hallowed be your name, Lord. And when I do that, it changes me. And so when I reach the bottom half of the prayer, and now it's time for my petitions before the Lord, oftentimes they either change or I'm not quite as frantic about them. How many of you are like me, and when your life is spinning, you come to the Lord in prayer and it's help, 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 fix, 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 now, now, now. And usually when I get up from that time of prayer, I'm no more relaxed than I was when I, when I approached it. Because I'm not really, I'm not, I'm not thinking, I'm not stilling my mind, I'm not saying, wait just a second, who am I praying to? I'm not surrendering my life again to him, I'm not surrendering my needs and my cares and my wants. And the Lord knows what we need before we even ask. And so he knows if you will come to me first, giving me what's due, honor and glory, remind yourself of who you're coming to. That will change everything now. Does he care about my needs? You better believe he does. And so then he says, okay, now pray like this. Give us today our daily bread. Give me today, Lord, my daily bread. When Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray like this, they were first century followers. And literally, they were paid one day's wage for that particular day. And so when they received their wage for their day's work, that's what put bread on their table. And so if they got sick and had to skip work, couldn't go to work that next day, they didn't get paid. And so they were in jeopardy of not having food on their table, of not having food. So when he said, come to the Lord with all of those needs, they may seem small to you, but they're really not. Come, give me today, Lord, my daily bread. I was thinking about this in my own life, and the man that mows my yard has been mowing my grass for at least 10 years, and his name is Antonio, and he's become like family to me. I love this man. And he comes, and when he comes and mows my yard, he gets paid. And if he doesn't come, he does not get paid. That's how it works in his life. And one day I drove up, and he was mowing my grass, and his young daughter was with him. And her nose was as red as Rudolph's, and she had tissue in her hand, her little eyes were watery, and she was sick. And I said, Antonio, what's going on? He said, she had to miss school today, she's sick. And I said, oh, sweet girl. And I said, she couldn't stay at home. And he said, no, we we don't want to leave her by herself. And I have to work. I have to work. And so that sweet girl was sitting just like, and I realized that's a world that I don't really relate to. That's a world that I don't relate to. I was talking to my mom as I was processing through this passage. And I remember growing up, my mom was a single mom for most of my life. And she was telling me a story that she needed blood pressure medication one morning. She needed blood pressure medication. And she said, Laura, I got up and I had to go get it that day, but it cost $100. That's what it was going to cost me to get this medication. And she said, I got up that day and I knew I did not have that money. And she said, well, Lord, I'm just going to trust you. And my mom owned a travel agency. And this was even before the internet got big, travel agencies, I mean, you were just barely scraping by. And so she got into the office that that day knowing that when five o'clock came, she needed to go pick up this prescription and she did not have $100. 
And she said, I just said, Lord, you got to provide it. Give me today my daily bread. And as she sat there, one of her faithful clients who did all his business travel with her came in and he said, I know I canceled this trip. And he said, but the commission would have been $100. And he gave her a $100 bill and she got her medication. My mom understands what it means to pray like this. Give me today my daily bread. Some of us in the room, we could share story after story of how God has provided. And when we have been in situations like that, give me today my daily bread. Others of us, that may be a stretch. I was at HEB on Saturday. And when I'm in a teaching cycle, I always get a real tight rhythm in my life. And so I teach on Tuesday and Wednesday. So Monday, I don't answer my phone and I'm studying all day. I teach Tuesday, teach Wednesday. Thursday, I kind of take a decompression day and just decompress. And then Friday, I'm back in it and I'm thinking about the following week, what what I'm teaching and kind of start marinating in it and start thinking through, Lord, what direction do you want to take me? And so this last Friday, I start thinking, give me today my daily bread. Lord, what does that mean for this group of women that I'm speaking to this week in both places? What does that mean? How do you want this to relate? How do we do this, Lord? Um, And I was at HEB and I was struggling with this. I was really struggling. So it was Saturday and I'm still kind of pressing in, praying, thinking through it. And I'm buying food for the Super Bowl party that I'm going to on Sunday. And I'm in charge of chips and dip. And so I walk into HEB and I'm staring at the salsa section. And I'm not kidding you. There had to have been 4,000 different salsa options. There is serrano pepper, chipotle, mango. I mean, it was just overwhelming. I'm staring there and I'm looking at it. And as I'm looking at it, I just sensed the Lord speak to me. And he said, this is difficult because you don't need me for your daily bread. You don't need me. You don't need me for daily bread, Laura. Go to the bread aisle. Have you been to the bread aisle? There's rye, there's pumpernickel, there's honey wheat, there's white wheat, there's goodness, there's, there's thin, there's thick. There, I mean, it's just, you don't need me. We live in a culture. We live in, in America. We live in a world. Our world is one in which we don't feel that squeeze. I don't feel that squeeze of how do I feed my babies today? Now, I drive about five miles from here, and I could speak to some women who feel that squeeze. And maybe there's some of us in the room that feel that squeeze today. But the norm for us is I don't need him for daily bread. I don't need him for daily bread. So I started thinking and praying about that. And I thought, the Lord's not reminding me of that because I should feel guilty because I have 4,000 options of salsa. God's not trying to make us feel guilty because we live where we live. God bless him. Thank you, Lord that I don't thank you that this is not a squeeze in my life. Lord, thank you that we live in an area and that we live in a place where we are so out-resourced. Lord, thank you. That is a privilege and an honor, and I should be grateful every other minute for that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. So I was given thanks in H-E-B. And then I started thinking a little bit more, and I thought, but why is this still a struggle? And I'll tell you, the Lord was like, Let me tell you why it's a struggle. Because you've taken resourced and you've made it excess. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah, we do, don't we? 
I've taken what is resource to me and I've made it excess. And so just enough is not in my little vocabulary. Just, how much is just enough? Well, one more. One more would be just enough. And let me just give you exhibit A right here. Y'all, here's the thing. First of all, you should say thank you because I'm outing myself and I'm not outing you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. These are the jeans from my closet. Now, you probably walked in today and said, I did not get the email that they were doing a clothing drive. But what a generous group of women. Look at all these jeans. That's amazing. No, these are from Laura's closet. And they're not, I haven't done laundry, my laundry in about two weeks. So it's not all of them. It's not all of them. But here they are in all their glory. Because you see, for me, I have this thing about blue jeans. And I love them. I love, love, love them. I have this joke with my kids. And it's a joke. Don't send me an email after this. But when... When I tuck them in at night or when I drop them off at school, I said it today. I was like, now remember, guys, I love you more than my shoes, but not quite as much as my jeans. <laughs> and they roll their eyes and, and they'll, they're, listen, they're going to need counseling for so many things. Just chalk it up. But here's the thing. When you ask me, you look at this and, and go ahead, sit in judgment on me. That's fine. But if you're going to ask me, how many jeans do you need? Just one more pair. Just one more pair. I just need one more pair. Just one more pair. And so I'm going to ask you today, how many blank do you need? Is it just one more bite? It's just one more bite. Is it one more glass? It's just one more glass. It's just a thousand more square feet. It's just a thousand more square feet. That's it. It's just one more bell and whistle on my car. It's just one more. It's just one more. How many dollars do you need in the bank to really feel secure? Just one more. Just one more. And so we are a people that live in excess. I'm throwing you in the boat with me, and I'm sorry. I hope you'll come back next week, but it is true. <laughs> we are a group of women that live in excess. And so what do we do about that when the Lord has asked us to depend on him at such a level that we would pray every day, Lord, give me today, just today, my daily bread, my daily bread. I've been, uh, I was researching this more and more because there's a passage of scripture that talks about, there's lots of passages of scripture that talk about excess, but one in which I thought was real, well, several I'm going to read today. But one that was particularly good, it's a story in Numbers, and I'm going to read it, and it's not on your listing guide because it came to me on Tuesday morning, and I'd already sent that off to the printer. But in Numbers chapter 11, I want to give you a little bit of a backdrop. The Israelites have been begging God to free them from slavery to the Egyptians. So they've been enslaved to the Egyptians for years and years, over 400 years, crying out, God, save us from this cruel people. Save us from this life, Lord. What are you asking God to save you from? Lord, save us from this. And the Lord heard their cry and he led them. And he said, I'm going to lead you to a place that is flowing with milk and honey. That's going to be all yours. 
It's going to be yours, and you're not going to want for anything. I'm going to lead you. It's a promised land. It is promised to you. I'm going to lead you there. But as I lead you, we're going to do a little walking together. And we're going to walk together as we go to the promised land. And they didn't ask questions. They said, thank you. Yes, we want in. And so they start walking with the Lord. But what they didn't know is the Lord was signing them up for a lesson in trust. And it was called the wilderness. Don't despise and reject those wilderness seasons in your life. They're hard and they're difficult, but you will come out and they will do a work in you that you could never have understood or experienced apart from it. The Lord uses our seasons of wilderness. So he's walking the Israelites through the wilderness and they're hating it. Because when they said deliver us, that what they meant was, I want you to pluck me up and out and put me in the promised land. And I don't want to feel anything. I want to go to sleep and I want to wake up and it's all better. Isn't that the way we are? Oh, I'm so that way. Uh-uh. He said, no, you're going to know me. I want you to know me. I want you to know the one true God that is caring for every one of your needs. In fact, so much so that you're not going to have to hunt for anything. You're not going to have to kill for your food. You're not going to have to worry about it. Here's how I'm going to provide. I'm going to provide manna for you. Here's how manna comes to you. Every night when you go to sleep, you will wake up and there will be this uh, resin dew-like substance on the ground. And what you'll do is collect just enough for your family. So larger families collected more than smaller families, but you'll have just what you need. And then he said this, he said, now don't collect more than you need. Don't grab a second day supply for fear that you may run out. Don't grab a second pair. You'll have just enough. If you, because you mistrust me, Grab more than you need, you'll wake up the next day and that manna will be rotten and filled with maggots. Because you have to understand, I am a God that created you. I know your needs before you even ask. And listen, you're not getting it. And so you're going to get it. Here's how you're going to get it. You're going to get just what you need every single day. And when you get to the promised land, if you look at Deuteronomy 8, he looks back at them and he says, don't forget Now that you're in a season of flourishing, do not forget, I was the God that led you into the wilderness. Your shoes did not wear out. You did not go hungry. Because I'm a God, I'm Yahweh. I'm the God that loves you, created you, that cares for you. Just enough. So the Israelites are walking. They're getting this manna. They don't like this manna. They've left their cruel slave drivers. But they've walked far enough along that they all of a sudden start to forget that they were as cruel as they were. Have you ever done that? You ever broken up with a boy that you knew was not good for you? But this whole being alone thing is not what you thought. And you're looking back going, maybe he wasn't such a jerk. (laughs) You know, he was kind of cute. He was. Maybe I should reconsider that. That's what's happening with the Israelites. That's where we pick up the story. Numbers chapter 11, just listen to me as I read it. It says, soon the people began to complain about their hardship and the Lord heard everything they said. Then the foreign rabble, that was the foreigners that were among them who were traveling with the Israelites, they began to crave the good things of Egypt. Do y'all hear that? The good thing. What was, what was Egypt? They were slave drivers. All of a sudden we forgot. And the people of Israel also began to complain. Oh, for some meat. I just want some meat. Where's the beef? They exclaimed. It says, we remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. Not for free. You had no rights in Egypt. You didn't eat that fish for free. 
but they, they forget. And he says, and we had all the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic that we wanted, but now our appetites are gone, and all we ever see is this manna. They're despising what the Lord is giving to them. And they say, and then the Lord speaks through Moses, and he says, okay, Moses, say to the people, purify yourselves for tomorrow. You're going to have meat to eat. Oh, you're going to have meat. And the Lord says, you were whining, and the Lord heard you when you cried, oh, for some meat, we were better off in Egypt. The Lord heard every word. And now the Lord will give you meat, and you're going to have it to eat. But it won't just be for a day, or two, or five, or ten, or twenty. You're going to eat meat for a whole month until you gag on it, and you're sick of it. Another translation says you're going to have eat, uh, meat to eat for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it. That's what excess is. It will come out of your nostrils and you will loathe it. For you have rejected the Lord who is here among you and you have whined to him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt. You see, here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with meat. There's nothing wrong with jeans. There's nothing wrong with your glass of Cabernet at night. There's nothing wrong with that car that you love to drive. There's nothing wrong with the house you live in. But what place does it take in your life? I can't tell you how many times I've been in a hard situation. I've been down. I've been sad. I've been Whatever it is, I've been needing some daily bread, and instead of going to the source of it, I go to Marshall's, and I find (laughs) this little pair of jeans, and I'm putting it on. I'm like, oh, that made me feel better. That made me feel better for about 30 minutes. And then I look in my closet, and I can't even get into my closet. And I begin to gag on that thing that I'm replacing. You see, the want... And the need, they're nothing to feel shameful about. They're nothing to feel guilty about. It's how you get that need met. If you're outside of God's best for you, which is him himself, he himself, if I'm outside going, I don't trust, I'm not sure that you're going to come through for me, so I'm going to grab some more. I'm going to grab over here. You may grab just with your schedule. I am too afraid to be alone. I'm going to add one more thing to my plate. I'm going to stay really, really busy. I'm going to make sure I am friends with everyone under the sun. Why? Because it's a nice person? Because I'm a nice person? Maybe. But it could be that you just so, you just have to please people all the time. You have to have that approval. You have to have it. You got to have it. Got to have it. It's not just material things. It's anything that takes the place that God intended to take in your life. Anything. And so here's what scripture says about this excess. 1 John chapter 2 Verse 15, it says, don't love this world or the things that it offers you. Let let me clarify what he means by this. This word love is the translated word that means agape. It's not, so agape, so you've got eros love, you've got phileo love, you've got agape love. Agape love is reserved, it's unconditional, it's for God himself, it's the way he loves me, is agape love. Phileo love is a friendship type of love. So should, should I, I can have phileo love here. I can love jeans. I can love fashion. I love it. I love it. 
But when I love it so much that it just comes all into my life, it starts to just choke me. It really does. It really does. I have a good friend that just downsized. They had a a large home and they downsized to this small one because their kids grew up. And she said, I just did not realize how great it is not to maintain something. Now, was there something wrong with her in a big house? No, no. But when she said that, I thought, boy, that's true for me in so many ways. Whenever I get so sick of my closet, because this for me is kind of my vice. I love to shop. And so when I just get like I'm gagging on it and I just purge it and get it out and give it away, there's something so freeing about that. And so he's saying, don't love this world in the, in the love sense of looking to this world to be your God. Be my God. Meet my needs. Hold me when I'm down. Make me feel less afraid. Help me when I'm scared about my kiddos or, or whatever it is. When I'm loving these, when I'm looking for them to love me like that, and y'all, we do it. It sounds absurd because it is absurd. But let me tell you something. Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. A lady came up to me, I taught this yesterday, came up to me and she said, oh my word. She said, you do not even know what my vice is. I was like, well, I want you to tell me. And she said, Christmas. And I said, Christmas? She said, I've got four Christmas trees. She said, I've got so many Christmas ornaments and wreaths and bows that I'm choking on them. Isn't that crazy? Not any crazier in this pile of jeans. So, so when scripture says, don't love this world, that's what he means. It's not that you can't enjoy. Oh my goodness. Every good and perfect gift comes from the father of lights. Paul says, everything is permissible, but not everything is profitable. Excess, you move into that. This is no longer profitable. So it says, don't love the world nor the things that it offers you. For when you love the world like that, you don't have the love of the father in you. Another translation says, because it squeezes out the love of the father. Do you hear that? It squeezes out the love of the father. Boy, have I understood that in my life. It squeezes it out. Squeezes out. For the world offers only a craving a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but they're from the world. And this world, it's fading away, along with everything that people crave, everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases the Father will live forever. What pleases the Father? Come to Him with your needs. Come to Him believing that He sees you, that He loves you, that He's going to answer you. Lord, give me today my daily bread. That gives him great honor when I come to him. I woke up this morning spent like a rag. And I sat and I said, Lord, I need you today. I need you. And I just sensed him saying, just be still. Just be really still. And I just sat there for 30 minutes in my orange chair and just sat there. What was I tempted to do? Call my friend. Turn on the Today Show. Just whatever. Straighten my house. Just be still. Come to me. Come to me, all of you who labor and are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. In Psalm 106.15, it says this. It says, And he, the Lord, gave them their request, but he sent leanness into their soul. Excess. When it says he gave them their request, it was when they're craving something 
but it sent leanness into their soul. Do you know what that means? It means when it squeezes out the Father that I can be so fat with stuff, with activity, with relationships, with so many things. I can be fattened up, but my soul is starving. You know how that feels? Y'all, we can be so fattened up with church activities and our soul can still be starving, lean, because we're not connecting to the Father. The only well, the only well that provides for me is Him. He is the well that I go to over and over and over. And when I don't, I feel it. It costs me. Give me today, Lord, my daily bread. Sometimes I don't even know what the daily bread is. I don't even know what I need today. I just know how I feel. Lord, give me today our daily bread. Now, before we all kind of get get off on a rabbit trail that God's some killjoy, and he's not fun, and uh, if I'm going to follow him, well, then I just can't enjoy anything. Can't buy another pair of jeans. That is not God at all. And you know where that comes from? It comes from the lie in Genesis 3 when the enemy said, did God really tell you you can't have that fruit? Because that's the fruit you want, isn't it? No, God said we could have all of this. He's saying just beware of that one. Mm, But now that's the one I want. That's the one I want. The enemy will always tempt me. The enemy will always try and get me to believe the lie that God is not trustworthy. He's not worth following. He's holding out on me. He's a killjoy. He's militant. He's sergeant-like. That is not the God that we serve. That's not his name. Abba is daddy. He says, I'm a gracious and loving God. My compassions are new every morning. He's not a killjoy. In fact, let me, let me read something to you. Isaiah 55. An invitation to abundant life. Verse 55, in chapter 55, verse 1, it says, Ho! Don't y'all love that? Ho! That means listen up. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you, those of you who have no money, come buy and eat. What's he saying? It's an even playing ground. Come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk. I love that. Even though if you don't have money, you still get to buy. Come. Why do you spend money for what is not bread? Why do I spend money for what is not bread? And why do you spend your wages for what doesn't satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Another translation says, let your soul delight in the richest affair. The richest affair. Incline your ear and come to me. Here and your soul shall live. Your soul shall live. I want my soul to be fat. I want my body to be lean. I want my soul to be fat. Fat. There's no diet program with my soul. I get to be as fat as I want to be. I get to just take from him every day. He's saying, come. This well never runs dry. It never runs dry. And he says, I'm going to make an everlasting covenant with you, Laura. I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never abandon you. I will never, ever, ever hold out on you. Now there's going to be seasons where he's going to walk me through a wilderness. And i got to trust him. Because what's around the corner is rich fare again. But that time in the wilderness, y'all, it can be the richest affair because the intimacy I have with him. 
My mom still looks back on those lean days financially, and she misses them to a degree because of the way she saw the Lord so evident in her life every day. There's something beautiful about being desperate, isn't there? C.S. Lewis said, pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. So what do we do? The most resourced women probably on the planet. What do we do with this line of our prayer? Give me today my daily bread, Lord. Well, let me, I got a whole pantry full of bread. So Lord, what do I, how, how does this relate to me? Let me look at it. Let's break it down for just a minute before we close. One is he starts by saying, give, 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 Lord, give, Lord. So who's the giver and who's the taker? Who's the receiver in this picture? It's me. And so what does that mean? That means I'm coming to him as a dependent child. That's hard. That's difficult. This is the reason we have excesses because we want to call the shots. I get to decide how I spend my money. I get to decide how I spend my time. I get to decide how I spend my resources. And the Lord is saying, no, 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 no. I will be your God and you will be my people. And so if you want the richest affair, you got to understand how the relationships work. The relationship works. I'm father and your child. So come to me, come to me, ask, but be ready to receive, be ready to receive. Some of us, our pride keeps us from receiving. Come ready to receive with open hands, expecting to receive. So come and allow him to give, allow yourself to be totally, utterly dependent on the Lord. Go there with him. Be totally dependent. That's scary. It is. Until you experience it. Until you taste and see how good he really is. Come. So he says, give. Give, Lord. You give it to me. And then he says, give us. I love that he doesn't say, give me. He says, give us. That speaks to community. Every single one of us in here that have made Christ our Savior, that are Christians, We lock arms. We are a family. We really are sisters. We are sisters. So when I come to the Lord and I say, give us, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for me. I'm coming for my family. We're together. We're locking arms. Give us today. Give us today. And so if my sister is in need, I get to help her. If I'm resourced and she's not, I get to share my resources with her. That's a get-to, not an ought-to, not a should-to, whatever you call it, not a have-to. That's a get-to. Give us today our daily bread. You do not walk alone. The enemy wants you to believe that you do. You do not walk alone. Some of us just need to get over ourselves and say, I'm in need. I'm in need today. I'm in need we, uh, Jason and I are in this discipleship class on Sunday nights for 10 months. And one, one of the Sunday nights, the leader just said, I just want to take 20 minutes. And I want us to just share our needs with each other. And he meant specifically financial needs. Are any of us in the room today in need? If so, would you be willing just to share with us? We're, this is a safe place. And so people stood up and kind of shared their needs. And that was it. And then we asked the Lord, Lord, would you meet those needs, however you see fit? Next week we came back, and he said, I want us to take a few minutes, and just if anyone saw God meet their needs, would you just be willing to share it today? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. 
There was a family, they're, they're refugees, and they fled, and they're here in the United States, and they, their child had some medical needs, and they were $1,200 in debt because of medical expenses, and that felt like a mountain to them. And so they stood up and they shared that, and that was it. And then, and then over the course of the week, there was another girl in the class that knows some nonprofit organization that helps dissolve the debt, medical debt, of those that are in need. She contacted them. They got in touch. They stood up the next week and said, our debt is, is totally dissolved, totally taken care of. Another girl stood up and she said uh, she needed money for rent and she was not going to be able to make rent that, that week. And so she stood up and shared that, didn't even say how much, sat back down. Over the course of the week, someone else gave her $500. So the following Sunday, she comes back, she stands up and she said, I only needed 200 for rent. And so I felt overwhelmed that I had this excess of $300. And so I just kind of held on to it, didn't know what to do with it. And she said, what I didn't know was about to happen is that my car broke down two days later and the bill was $300. How do you not love a God like that? How do you not love a God like that? But y'all, we don't know him like that because we don't take the time because we're so self-sufficient. And the Lord is saying, I have resourced you for a reason. I've resourced you for a reason, not to feel guilty, but to get in the game. Get in the game. Who is your us? Who's your us? Look around every morning when you wake up and you come to him and say, Lord, give me today what you know I need. And sometimes I know I come to him with these these things, Lord, emotional needs or physical needs or, Lord, this is what's on my mind. This is what I'm worried about. And he'll speak to them. But some days I just come to him and say, Lord, who's, who's my us? Who's my us? Who's my us? And you watch what God does. I was praying that way in H-E-B that Saturday after I left the salsa aisle. And I was like, give us, Lord. Who is, who is my us, Lord? And I turned the corner, and here comes a dear friend of mine. And she is struggling. She's had health issues for four years now. And this was actually in the parking lot. And she's telling me, because I asked her, I want to know what's going on. And so I just said, can I just pray for you right now? And she was really battling with some stuff related to forgiveness. And I said, y'all, I'm, I said, listen, I'm doing a retreat in March. You need to come. She signed up that day and said, you do not even know what an answer to prayer that was. That was my us. After Bible study yesterday, one of our team leaders had to leave early. And so I went over to her house to find her, to give her a hug, and she wasn't there. And I thought, I need to go to her daughter-in-law's house. Her daughter-in-law is struggling right now with an illness. And walked in, pulled up to her, just felt the urge, I need to go over there right now. So I went over there, and my friend that I was looking for wasn't there, but I thought, I got to go in. I pull up, my friend Nona is pulling up at the same time with a meal, and said, I think I'm just going to leave this here. And I said, no, we're going in. We're going in. She needs us. I just knew it. And then Nona was sharing some things. And we walked in and this sweet angel girl is sitting there on her couch by herself with that look. And you know the look of like, I can't do it another minute. And we sat down with her and both came on each side of her, embraced her, prayed for her. We were there all of five minutes probably. Let her weep, weep. Let her express her deepest core fear. And then we took it to the cross and we prayed together. She's our us. 
And then we left, and we got in the car. And I didn't tell you this, Nona, but later that day, her good friend says, what you don't know, Laura, is I had just hung up the phone with her and said, send someone, Lord, right now, right now. Give her a tangible understanding that you see her and that you're present. Oh, I love it. I love it. Praise God. Praise God. And for a minute, you want to tell me that shopping for jeans and Marshalls is more satisfying than that. This will choke the life out of me. That was the most life-giving five minutes I've had all week, except for being here with you. (laughs) That's the us. Give us. Who's my us? Who's my us today, Lord? Don't worry about who, who my us is on Friday. Who's my us on Wednesday? Today. Then he says, daily bread. Give me today my daily bread. That speaks to this rat race that we're in. We do not live in a pace or rhythm of life like God has designed for us to live. And so most of us live on anti-anxiety medication. We live on, and I'm not saying medication is wrong at all. Do not hear that for one minute. I'm saying that we have believed a lie that we've got to have it now and we've got to have more of it. And if we don't get it done, no one else will. And so we are racing on a treadmill. You think that doesn't choke out, squeeze out the love of God? I don't have time to love you, God. I don't have time to receive your love. I got to take care of this kid over here. I got to make sure they're prepped for college in 12 years. (laughs) And the Lord says, Laura, I want you to come to me on Monday when you start your week. I want you to come to me on Monday, and I'm going to talk to you about Monday. I know you're worried about Friday because you're leaving to speak on a retreat. We're going to talk about Monday. Let's talk about Monday. And when Friday comes, you're going to be ready because I'm going to give you everything you need. Okay, now let's move to Tuesday. All right, Tuesday, you got to experience. Okay, now let's move to Wednesday. Just stay on Wednesday. Stay on Wednesday. And if he wants to speak to me about something on Friday, I'm going to lock that away. But I'm not going to Friday yet. I'm on Wednesday. You know what I'm noticing in my life when I do this? I am way more present with my children and my family. That's a tangible thing I'm seeing change. When my kiddos come through the door and they want to tell me about every little minutia that happened that day, every, about how fast and far away the ball rolled and then who ran and got it before they did, and then they fell and all of that, all of it. <laughs> you know what I can do? I can sit and look them in the eye. Because I don't have to worry about Friday. I can just worry about this little kid right here. Because the thing that I long for the most is one, they see a godly mama, but they see a mom who listens. Who listens. Did you ever have a parent who was there but wasn't there? You did. So did I. I want to be engaged, fully engaged. And I can do that because I'm like, Lord, this is my us right now. This is my us. This is my us. Daily bread. Scripture, Isaiah 26, 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace. Perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Daily bread. Daily bread. Daily bread. I read a quote. I don't know if it's on your listing guide or not, but it says, If you begin to taste and see that the Lord is good, you'll develop a distaste for things that aren't good. Satisfy your hunger in him. And here's what I find. When I allow him to meet my needs, I enjoy 
things that he's given me in my life, so much more. And I don't need the excess, but I just get to enjoy them and go, Lord, thank you for creating this. Lord, thank you for the way you've blessed me. It's part of the fun. It's part of the adventure. So will you be willing to trust him enough this week, this week, starting in the morning, starting right now, will you be willing to trust him enough? What is on your plate today? What is it that you need? Would you just come to him? Lord, give me today my daily bread. Oh, but I'm so anxious about this thing that's looming around the corner. Okay, put it at my feet. Don't pick it back up. If I haven't told you anything about it, then you don't need to know yet. So just trust me. I see it. I'm not cut off guard. I'm not frantic. Just come, Laura. Daily bread. Lord, who's my us? Who is my us today? Would I not be so frantic to get from point A to point B that I miss everyone in the middle? Let me see you in every step. So my prayer for all of us is in this part of the passage of Scripture. Give us today our daily bread. Lord, teach me your rhythm. Keep me in step with you. And Lord, would you allow me to experience you meeting every one of my minute needs. There's so many needs I don't take to him because I think they're minuscule and because I think I can handle them. But what if he might want something even just a little different or tweak it or or you don't even know why I gave you that because I'm going to allow you to give it to this person. And here's what I want to do with this. This is why it's in your life. Get down on the micro level with God and allow him to be your daily bread. Let me pray for us. Father, this is countercultural. This is countercultural. And so, Lord, I'm asking today, would you create in us a craving for you that is greater than the craving for the things that we stuff in our soul apart from you? Would you grace us with that gift, Lord? Would you make us so hungry for you that we're willing to push everything aside, every commitment, everything, everybody aside and come and receive you as our daily bread, Lord. We ask this for your glory, not our own. In Jesus' name, amen.